0: Amen. Amen. Hey, let's just give a hand clap of praise for our praise and our worship team and how they led us into praise and worship on this morning. And we'll continue. (laughs) This this is how you know, like like you're a father and you got kids, right? When you open up your Bible and there is a crayon in it. Now, who who knows? I'm, I'm sure... The culprit is the young man sitting up here beside his mom, Umari, who left a crayon in daddy's Bible. But it's okay. It's all good. I'm going to color you with the word this morning. Amen. That was a good setup. I'll take it. I'll take it. So we're going to end our, our mini-series of just pathways and how there are multiple pathways. When you think about it, This morning, we all took a different pathway to get here, right? Some of us had to jump on the expressway. Some of us were just able to travel through the city or through some streets to get here. But there were multiple pathways. And so even as a head football coach, I I talked to our football players about, man, there are two pathways to a championship. Two. Two pathways to a championship. And if they were all here, they would be able to tell you, that our two pathways to a championship is the classroom and the weight room. The classroom and the weight room, right? And so I know some of you volunteer and you tutor our kids, so you've heard me say that before. And the reason why is because here's the bottom line. If you can't execute in those two areas, you will never be able to execute on the field. But unfortunately, we have a lot of players that love the games, but not necessarily the preparation that comes before it. And so that's what we have to teach, but it's the same way for us right in the kingdom, right? We know that there's only one pathway to the Father and we know that's through Jesus. But when we come into Jesus, Jesus presents us with multiple pathways to enter in to the spiritual maturity life that is for us, right? Because Jesus is the one who says, hey, I have come to give life and life in abundance. But that abundant life is gonna be different for all of us in what that looks like based on who we are and where we are, amen? And so we know last week we talked about on the pathway to faithfulness there are three, if you will, side streets or signs that we'll see and that we'll embrace. The first one is reconciliation to self through Christ, restoration to Christ through the Spirit, and realization of purpose and our identity in Christ, okay? And so here's the thing. Let me just get this out of the way because I know this happened. And I'm not going to ask who's going to be honest today, but I know this happened. Some of us went home. Talked to your family. Talked to people, your coworkers next to me. say said, hey, our pastor said that God doesn't want us to be effective, he just wants us to be faithful. Anybody brave enough to raise their hand and say, yes, thank you, Pastor Brian. I appreciate you. In the back, thank you all so much. Thank you. Right? And so here's the thing. God didn't call us to effectiveness. He called us to faithfulness. But you better believe God wants us to be effective. He wants us to be effective in our walk and in our pathway as we are faithful. Amen? Amen. And how do we know that? Simply, we know that by John 15. John 15 tells us all about the importance of abiding, as Jesus says, in him. And then the consequential result, if we do that, is us bearing fruit. So the bearing of the fruit shows us our effectiveness. Right, But it's not our effectiveness, it's our faithfulness to abide in him and then he puts his super on our natural, which makes us effective. Let's read together John 15, we're going to start at the 7th verse. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, when we talk about abide, we have to understand what language and what words mean. That means to dwell, to live in, to follow, to be faithful to, to abide in. And so Jesus says, not just in me alone, but abide, but let my words abide in you. And that's really important, right? Because if his words are abiding us, he tells us in verse 8, he says, if that happens, you can ask whatever you want. Not that God is a genie and we're rubbing a magic um, wand or doing something like that. But it's like, no. He says, by this, God will be glorified and then you will prove that you are my disciples. But let's get back to the words that abide and why they need to abide. So there's going to be times and there's been times in our lives that things happen. Situations, circumstances, things go wrong. Things go away. And sometimes my words, even though I'm pastor coach, and even though, man, I think I'm a really, really great human being, my words are not always in alignment with the Father, believe it or not. They're not always in alignment. And so based on situation or circumstance, I may use some words that are not necessarily spiritual nor godly nor kingdom minded. And the reason why Jesus says abide in my words is that, man, he wants us to know exactly how we need to pray, exactly how we need to speak, and exactly how we need to confess over the situation and circumstances in our life. That's what he wants us to know. He's trying to protect us, but also he wants us to stay in alignment with spiritual things. Because here's the thing. God the Father, when we pray, God knows his language. He knows his language. He knows his word. And man, if we can pray that, what, what, what Jesus is saying is that in that, God will be glorified. Because why? You will not seem or appear like the world. While the world is telling us, hey, man, we have to seek and destroy and divide and conquer. We're saying, man, where's the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace? We're saying in all of our ways, we have been mandated or told that we need to really seek some understanding. Not necessarily agreement. But how can we understand We have been told in his word to simply what? To just simply, man, say that, hey, man, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm from above and not beneath. That's who he calls me. And so when there's a situation where I may be feeling low or my self-esteem may be struggling, I have to say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the son of the most high God. Now, see, that does something for me on the inside when everybody else is maybe speaking differently, amen? Verse nine, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you, abide in my love. When Jesus says abide in me, he's saying all these things. In my words, in my love. And abiding means if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What is this commandment? Just simply to love one another. Yes, we we know to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that's kind of easy for us to do. But now we lean into loving each other, and it's like, well, yeah, I know I'm supposed to love my family. I may even love my friends, but you mean to tell me I gotta love someone who looks different than me, who lives on somewhere else I don't live at, and man, dare to say who is a Democrat, and I'm a Republican, or I'm Republican, and they're a Democrat, or they're an independent, you mean to tell me I gotta love them? Oh my gosh, you mean to tell me I gotta love someone who may be a homosexual? Yes. Again, I'm not saying that you have to agree with their lifestyle, matter of fact, By loving them may pull them out of that lifestyle. I don't know. Maybe. But what Jesus says is simply to love one another. Not based on status. Not based on what you think. Not based on your own fleshy way. Again, we're talking about the world and the kingdom. And two different things because those are two pathways we can travel down. The thing that happens to us is sometimes we think we're traveling the kingdom way and really we're bringing in the worldly values on the kingdom. I didn't expect a lot of amens there. I just want to be honest and tell the truth. Amen. And I'm not even speaking that for you. I'm speaking that for myself. And so we have to abide in him. And if we are abiding in him and we can do that well, we begin, his words begin to abide in us and then his love begins to abide in us. And we know that in and of love, that perfect love covers a multitude of sin. It covers a multitude of faults. And how do I know that? Because man, he died for me because he loved me so much. So the proof, if you will, is in the pudding. So today, as we are together in fellowship, there's going to be a question that I want each and every one of us to really think about. And I'm not one to say, oh, man, you need to write this down, but you need to write this down. But I see this is a question that you need to ask yourself, not just today, but you need to ask yourself that every day. It probably needs to form into a prayer that you pray. And I'd love to tell you that I came up with this, but I didn't. I was sitting with... A friend on Thursday at breakfast, and she said, Hey, listen, this has become my prayer. And I was like, Okay, do tell. And she says, Man, my prayer is, God, am I willing to be willing? And I was like, Whoa. Am I willing to be willing? Now, fill in the blank, put in that whatever you want to put in it. But let's just start because this is where we're at. Am I willing to simply love my neighbor? So God, help me to be willing to be willing just to love my neighbor as myself. Am I willing to be willing to abide in Jesus? And here's the beautiful thing about that question is, is because we know that we serve a God who has given us a will and we know that he's sovereign. And I know there's been times in my life that I have been unwilling to love my neighbor. Because what I think Jesus is meaning and saying is, hey, here's what I really want you to do. Is I really want you to judge your neighbor. That's like the third unwritten commandment that I made up in my circumstance situation because I want to feel good about me. And a lot of times, that's what I lived in for a lot of years of my life. I was really good at judging my neighbor. I was really, really good at it. But what he's asking is, would you be willing to be willing to love your neighbor? And I believe there's a scripture that says, hey man, you're too busy worried about what the speck that's in your friend, brother, neighbor's eye when I got a log in mind got a log in mind. Why? It's a log of judgment. But again, if I can abide in him, am I willing to be willing? And that's a prayer, that's a question that we have to ask ourselves on a daily basis. Because every day we wake up, we have to mortify what? The deeds of our flesh. Because we wait back up in this. So am I willing to be willing, man, to set aside to not allow my anger to cause me to sin? Don't, don't mean you don't have to get angry. We can get angry, but man, I don't want my anger to provoke, provoke me to sin. So am I willing to be willing not to allow that to happen? Amen? So let's travel down some places on our pathway of faithfulness. And again, God wants us, I sincerely believe he wants us to be effective, but he's the God of order, so he wants us to be faithful first. Let's travel down that first, and then he'll make us effective, because we'll bear fruit. We just read about that. But here's what we got to do, though. We have to do some evaluating of our own spirits and of our own being. And there's many, many scriptures in the Bible that we can kind of assess our situation from. One of those are found in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And man, this was like a wake-up call for me. And this is a really great question. This is a morning of questions that we have to ask ourselves, right? So turn there with me and just, you know, just, you know, let's look at it. This may or may not be you, but I'm going to tell you right now, it was me. And sometimes it comes back up to my spirit and in my heart, but then I got to cast it down as it says in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. I gotta cast down every imagination and every high thing that would try to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. I gotta cast it down. But right here, Paul, he's asking and he's saying to the people in Galatians, he says, for am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Like this is one of those rest stop moments on your pathway of faithfulness. This is a good rest stop question. Something comes up to you, something happens, and you get triggered. You ever had that happen and you get triggered in your spirit and something just like, ugh. And see, that's the question we have to ask. Who am I looking for approval from? Who am I looking approval from? If it is from man or is it from God? That's a really simple question. Paul goes on to say, am I trying to please man? Because why, if I'm, if I'm still trying to please man, I will not be a servant of Christ. Jesus talks about this a little bit on the Sermon of the Mount in uh, Matthew chapter six, where he says, man, you can't serve two masters. Either you're gonna love the one and hate the other or you're gonna be devoted to one and just dislike the other. And he says, you can't serve God in manna, but in manna's place, we can put man, we can put ourselves, we can put fame, we can put anything. But right here, Paul is breaking his back to us and say, hey, listen, if you are still trying to please man, Kemp, then it's going to be hard for you to be a servant of Christ. Because you're esteeming man's value of you more than God's. This is why it's so important that we allowed what Jesus said, his words to abide in us. Because see, when his words abide in us, see, I can go back and pull up that word and it's like, man, it really doesn't matter what this person said about me. And that doesn't mean that you don't like or you don't love the person, but it's about putting first things first. We serve a God of order. We serve a God of order, and so he's got to come first. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that it hasn't always been the way of my own life personally. Why? Because I chased effectiveness. I wanted to be effective. Okay? So we have to think about that. We have to ask that question. I am so talented, I will not trip over that rug but we have to ask ourselves that question just like Paul did. We have to ask that question of ourselves. And it's okay to do that. Sometimes we run from these questions. But here's the thing about it. It's when we acknowledge where we are is where God wants to meet us at. But when we suppress that and we try to hide it, not deal in it, and we try to run from it, well, oh, God is so sovereign that he's not going to move past us. But I gotta be able to acknowledge, like, yeah, man, I think I am worried about people and what they think too much. And so this is a true story. So last summer, I think it was last June, almost a year ago now, we know what happened here in our city Jalen Walker, the police, the shooting, all those different types of things. And because I lead an organization called Love Akron, which is a backbone Christian based organization here in our city, you get a lot of people that call you, that wanna pull on you, that wanna say, hey, what's your thoughts, what do you think? And I can remember there were people, and what it, it just then, it still happens to this day. That people want to try to couch you to a side. They want to try to put you to a side, right? And it could be because, hey man, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, so we know that you're going to believe this way. Or better yet, because you're black, we know that you're going to be pissed off this way. I'm sorry for saying that, excuse me. Right? But we're all adults. Right? so because you're upset this way then you should be over here and so God man he spoke something to me that really was a refresher to me he said son the moment you begin to defend yourself and your actions you will immediately be start to appease people as you start to appease people you will then become a people pleaser and then, son, the end result of that is he said, she told me, he said, you're going to lose your influence. And if you lose your influence, then you lose the kingdom influence that I've given you to be in some of these spaces of influence. And that was such a healing for me because I was like, yeah, so it took the weight and the pressure off me to where I began to understand each and every day, all I'm doing is walking before an audience of one. And not the crowd. It's just him. And see, now that puts me back in alignment with the word that we just read to where now, man, I'm a servant of the Most High God. I'm not a servant to man. And that doesn't mean that I don't love man. I do. But I answer to one that, who is greater than us all. And this is about what he believes and what he thinks. And how do I know that? Because why, I'm abiding in his word. I'm abiding in his word and then he reveals things to me. And he even reveals to me my own shortcomings and my own mistakes and where I need to maybe get a little bit better at. And some of those rough edges that needs to be smoothed off in me. But I begin to understand and realize that along my walk. But that's the beauty of being faithful to dwell and abide with him. And then his words do that to where now I'm going to speak the word only over my situation. Just speak speak the word. Just speak his word. His word is the one that's going to do the work. His word is what makes us effective. I think it says something about what the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So I don't have to worry about being sharp. Now, I am sharp this morning. Come on now. You know the hookup is right. Now, I am sharp this morning. Sharp as attack. But I don't have to be effective in what I'm saying because I'm putting all that weight on myself. When he says, no, man, just simply don't lean into your own understanding, I think he says. But in all your ways, just simply acknowledge me. What? Through his word. And he said he will direct our path. See, that's the pathway, man, I wanna be on. And so, what he told me too, he said, Son, don't get so caught up in sides. He says, I just simply want you to mission the middle. Just mission the middle. Because he says there's other people out there that really want the middle. They just can't see the middle because all they hear and see are the sides that are being divisive, that are speaking against one another. That's all people see. But he was like, there's people out there, man, that want to be a part of the middle. And it's not necessarily bringing the sides to the middle. But he said, go find the other people who believe in the middle space. Because see, that middle pathway is where we find what? Reconciliation, restoration, and the realization of who we are and whose we are, and where he's called us to be. Amen? Glory to God. Do we have any Apostle Paul fans in here? (laughs) Two people. All right. The rest of you, all I'm sorry if you don't like Apostle Paul. I think Paul's great, right? And God kind of shows us, if you will, faithfulness and effectiveness, because both are bogged up in Paul, but also Saul. Like let's let's give Saul some credit now. Saul was a Pharisee. He knew the law sideways, backwards, up and down. And I would say Saul was very effective at hunting us down and persecuting us and burning down churches. He was really, really effective. He did it like when he was like the um, he was the spiritual bounty hunter, right? Like that's who he was. He was about hunter, man. Hey, man, go find all them that are supposedly a part of the way and just go kill them, man. Let's get them out of here before this this gospel of this so-called Jesus spread, and let's keep what we know to be right, which is the law, which is this traditional traditional religious um, thing that we all had. Amen. I'm going to find he was very effective in doing that until he had an experience with Jesus. Man, there's a lot of things I thought I was really affected, with then I had an experience with Jesus. And that began the pathway of him putting his super on my natural. And see, Paul believed so much in the spiritual side in the kingdom of things that he actually talked to the church of Corinth about this. And he went and met with them, right? Because he had heard some things that he didn't like. He was hearing some things about the church that he just didn't like. Like, they were all saved. They had all come to know Jesus, but he was like, but why are y'all quarreling with one another? Why are y'all worried about who the leader is and y'all trying to jockey for a position? And it's not what it's for. Because who's the ultimate leader of the church? Jesus. But when we come into common day, there are many now churches in our city. And we might say, well, I like this church because we, you know, they do this. And I like this church because I like the worship. Or I like this church because I like the pastors. Or I like this church because, man, we don't have to wear suit and ties. Or I like this church because they start later. I like this church because they start earlier. I like this church because they start in the evening. I like this church because they speak in tongues. I like this one because they don't. Come on now. And so the same thing Paul was saying to the church of Corinth is the same thing we got to say to the American church. It's the same conversation. It hasn't changed. It's just evolved. Because now, wow, we got more churches. But Paul describes this. It's titled in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. It says, the problem with immaturity. We're not talking about age. We're talking about spiritual. We're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost things if, you, if I can go there. And I love what Paul says in the very first verses. He says, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh, as babies in Christ. Why? Why, Paul? Please tell us, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. Then he doubles down. In fact, you are still not ready. Whew. Can I just, can I, can I, can I just, just give me a moment just to shout, okay? Because here's the thing. This, are, this is where we're at today. Are we ready for solid food? Because see, on the pathway of faithfulness, we're going to have to make stops to eat. And I don't know about y'all, man, but I can't just be drinking milk all the time. First of all, I'm lactose intolerant. Come on now. Right? But Paul is saying something here why as a founder and dare I say a shepherd of the Corinthian church. Paul is pastoring right now and he's meeting them exactly where they are and he's exhorting something to them not from a place of condemnation but from a place of conviction. Because here's the thing, if Paul doesn't say that to them, what is going to happen? They're going to keep traveling down an effective pathway because they're caught up in their being too worldly. This is how the world behaves. This is what Paul is saying. He says, in fact, you're still not ready because why? You are still worldly. You are still worldly when he's calling us to be in the world, but not of the world. We can live here. We can be here, but we're not to be conformed to the worldly things, to the worldly attitudes, and the worldly way of doing things. For instance, what has happened over the past four years is we began the politicalization of Christianity, where we have allowed what we believe or what we want or the things that you say you think you should be on to come and infiltrate the church. Instead of us just being the church. Because here's the thing, I don't care who you vote on. I don't. I, none of that matters to me because why? What Jesus says I am to do is to love you. But we have allowed and we have reordered things to where we've said, no, if you're not in this, if you're not in that, then I don't know if I can love you. Well, shame on you. We're going against Jesus. Paul is exhorting them and talking to them because he says, man, you are still too worldly. He goes on. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly behaving at like mere humans? Not as spiritual beings having an earthly experience. We are spiritual. We are spiritual beings in our core. We have to come to the realization of that. We have to come to the realization of that. He goes on to talk about. Oh, this one, this verse four is really, really good. I'm really gonna shout on verse four. Okay? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, hold on. The Corinthian church, was the church of the city, we're still trying to find sides. So y'all are the Paul side, y'all the Apollo side, right? Because why? That's probably who brought them into the faith. And so they feel a certain sense of loyalty to them. But I have to believe that, no, 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 no. You're a part of a bigger family, which is the kingdom and the people of God. But we do that when people leave church. Oh, man, they just left. They went over to the other church. Well, are they still on the team? Yes. Well, guess who's winning? Jesus. Jesus is winning. Some of y'all might leave after this message, and it's okay. Brian's still going to love me. I hope. Brian, we good? Right? But here's the thing, people. We have to deal with with the earthly and worldly things that we get caught up in, that I get caught up in. And it's just truth. Paul says, I I wanna be able to give you milk, but I can't because you're not ready for it yet because you're you're still too worldly. Guess what, I've had outright rebukes of God because he didn't give me what I wanted, but who knows me better than him? Nobody. And he said, son, if I give you this right now, you won't be ready for it and you will fail. And he's a good, good daddy because he's protecting me from me. He's protecting me from me. Because you're not on the right pathway just yet. Sometimes you're running in and out of the house between effectiveness and faithfulness. And when I can see you more walking on faithfulness, then I'll give and deposit more into you. And give you more. Then I'll start giving you some solid food, some more solid word that you can live out and work on. But right now, son, you're just not ready. This is the same thing Paul is saying to the church of Corinth. Why? Not because he doesn't like them, but because he loves them. The word of God says we have to be able to tell each other the truth in what? In love. Not in hatred, not in anger, not in frustration. I got to be able to tell you the truth in love. So I'm going to do an example. There are times that I don't necessarily like Stacy. <sighs> I love you, though. I know you just looked at me sideways. I get it, right? There's times I, you know, and it's not her the person, but I didn't like something that she did. I just didn't like something she did, and it just bothered me. But because we have a covenant together, our covenant says, no matter what, rich or or poor, death doeth part, all that type of stuff, that I'm going to be connected. I'm going to love you. Guess what, people of God? We have the same covenant with one another. When we come into the faith, we come into the kingdom, we have the covenant, man, I am going to love you. That's our covenant-bonding relationship. You might have met me today for the first time, but I love you. Not with my love because it's fickle and it's shallow and it's conditional. I love you with his. And I have to abide in that. I have to be faithful to that. Amen? So where, even in this walk for Paul, what else is going on? Paul actually calls it out. He calls it out in verse 5. He says what then in apollos and what then is paul they are servants through whom you believed and each as the role the lord has given so let me go and do y'all want to have some fun this morning can we have some fun somebody say one person say yeah thank y'all man come on y'all y'all know how this is going to be in past get up here y'all we 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 should be we should be now accustomed to this right Let's have a little fun this morning. Can we? I'm going to reread that verse in a different way. Y'all ready? Here we go. What then is Brian and what then is Kemp? They are servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given them. See, y'all are so blessed, Garden City. You got not one but two pastors. How blessed are y'all? Come on now. It's all right to shout on that. Paul goes on to say I planted Apollo's water but God gave the growth or the increase see that takes it out of our hands to try to be effective so here's the thing there's some mornings like this morning I'm planting Brian is going to come up and he's going to water And God is going to give you the spiritual increase. Stop looking for me and Brian to do that for you. Guess what? That ain't in our job description. It ain't. It's not in our job description. And so here's the other fun thing that we're going to do this morning. (laughs) Because I know. Right? I do it too. Like as a, and this is bad, and I don't think none none of my players are in here. But there's some kids I prefer at quarterback than others. Am I wrong for that? No. No, I'm not. Right? But here's the thing that's had to happen. I have to be able to talk to that individual. But here's where we bring it into the kingdom. We bring that worldly attitude into the kingdom. And we say, you know what? Man, I really like when Pastor Brian preaches. Man, he's really good. I love how he breaks down a word. He breaks it down. And and then there's a side that says, man, I really like Pastor Coach, man. He's just, man, a ball of energy, man. We really love it. And see, as you say that, we let certain things off into the atmosphere and we give the, the enemy just a little bit of a foothold. To where sometimes we may become like the church in Corinth and division creeps and sneaks in. Instead of just looking at it like, no, man, we're blessed to have two pastors that do it a different way. And that's really cool. Who else gets that? I don't know nobody else who gets that. I walked in this morning. I saw Brian in shorts and flip Slides. I was like, man, all right, I'm with it. I'm going to have shorts and flip slots on next week. But that's good. Why? Because here's the thing, man. If we're abiding in him, it don't even matter. It don't even matter. Our job description is to plant into water. And we trust God for the increase. Because why? He's faithful. What do we have to be faithful to, brothers and sisters? To plant and to water. To plant and to water. Apollos was, he's described in the books of Acts, I think it's 18, as an eloquent Jew. He talked about Jesus and the word of God, but he had a limited perspective of Jesus. Because he did it only simply based on the baptism of John. So it was very limited, but Priscilla and Aquila, who were tent makers, just like Paul, who housed Paul's, they heard him, they heard him speaking so boldly in the synagogue, they heard Apollo speak so boldly in the synagogue that when he was done, they pulled him aside and they gave him the rest of the story, Because see he was speaking and preaching from a very limited view, but they didn't embarrass him publicly they didn't say, hey, you know, that was wrong. You know you didn't do that right. You know that's not how you pray. No, they pulled him aside. Why? Because there was love in that. Because they recognized like, hey, man, yes, the Spirit of God is on this brother. He's speaking with fervency. It's even described in his word, and check, check it for me in Acts 18, but he's even described as fervent in spirit. Because he loved the Lord. But then, see, that's what we're supposed to do as brothers and sisters. That's how iron sharpened irons happen. Hey, I want to prove, I want to pull you aside for a second. And, hey, there's been many times, man, in the course of our ministry together that Brian's had to pull me aside or I pulled him aside. to say, hey, brother, let me, let me, let me show you this other limb. Let me, let me give you this other perspective. And, see, that's what it's all about. That's where unity happens. So, a lot of times it's not about us just up and leaving, if you will, the body or the church. But let's pull each other aside sometimes. Hey, if I've said something today that is offensive to you, please pull me aside. I am not perfect. I know y'all might think I am, and I appreciate it, but I'm not perfect. Pull me aside. Because guess what? What I want you all to know that that's what your pastors do for one another. We pull each other aside. And we do it and we receive it from each other in love. Why? Because that's what we're abiding in in him. And so we have to be called to faithfulness in our shepherding of you, but also how we shepherd each other. And so one thing I didn't see was I didn't see Paul and Apollos complaining about each other. They had a role to play. And Paul says, hey, man, there's been a role that's been given to us. There's been a role that's been given to me and Brian by God. And he's going to hold us accountable for it. What I ask of you is, man, is that you love us in our failures and in our faults. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because what? We've been charged to love you and yours and help to minister to you as you go through some of these things. Amen? Come on up. Come on up. No, the band, come on up. All y'all's like, huh? Come on up, man. Oh man, we had a good time today. Y'all, are all right. Y'all, y'all are in there plugging in. I've learned this too. Like I like to walk, but I'm never going to go back too far because some of y'all sit in the back intentionally and I don't, I want to be considerate of your back. So I'm not going to come up, come back there too far and be like, hey, it's all right. No problem. Love y'all. I understand the spirit gives me good stuff. Here's the bottom line, everybody. What we always want to come to is really that third R. We understand reconciliation. We understand restoration. But man, let's always continue to go to the realization of who we are in him, our identity. Because that's the one thing that is going to keep us. And let's not forget the question that we have to ask. Am I willing to be willing to enter into those spaces? Am I willing to be willing? And that's what we all need to be. We have to be willing to be willing to know what he is trying to do in us and through us to bring about his kingdom in a great way.